And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is with me. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, all good. All good. Start of a new week. Getting towards Christmas. Can't argue with that. <laughs> I can't argue with that at all. Uh, you also can't argue with the fact that you can still sign up to The Athletic right now <laughs> for just £1 a week. So uh, go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Uh, to take advantage of the offer, where you can read everything on City, including all of Sam's recent pieces. Um, what, what have you got coming up for us, Sam? Oh, what have I got coming up? Uh, I'm, look, this week I'm going to have a look at City's goals, and you know the goal tally's dropped a bit. Um, a great, great chances, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's dropped. The um, thing is, I'm sure there's loads of reasons for that. Primarily, you know, they've not had a number nine for most of the season, yeah. so team with team without a striker doesn't score goals. But I'll have a proper look, see if the chances created are in any way similar to recently or if that's dropped off and put a few reasons forward for that. Um, and I think I mentioned before a big article on the whole CFG that'll be coming up towards the end of the month. But yeah, that's a hell of a lot of work. So to keep an eye out for that, but don't expect it anytime soon. I saw your piece about um, working under Guardiola's up as well now. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's that's been pretty well received. Um across the whole athletic i've seen a, i've seen a list of some of the articles that are coming and it's a really exciting list um it's kind of the theme is what it's like too and then oh, you know, right yeah. can finish that sentence however they like but they kick that off obviously with the build-up to the big game on sunday with you know me and rafa honigstein and dermot corrigan in spain talking about what it's like to play for pep guardiola and you know james pierce and rafa honigstein and Simon Hughes and Oliver Kay, you know, they did what it's like to play for Pep Guardiola, uh, for, for Jurgen Klopp. Uh, they could do the two on Pep if they wanted. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, between us, I think we gave a good idea of what it's actually like. And, you know, we spoke to some of the the former players that, that Guardiola's had and, you know, on and off the record for for what it's like. And it's it was a difficult one because everybody knows he's intense and everybody knows he pays attention to the small details. So, and everybody's talked about that a lot. So it was all about going and getting more examples of those new examples of those and really explaining you know, kind of how that feels and how what that might be like um, yeah and i think i think we did a, a pretty good job so if you've if you've not checked that out yet i'll, I'll definitely recommend it yeah and it's just one pound a week so uh, go to the athletic.com forward slash man city pod right now to uh, to have a look at that um before we actually kick off properly sam i've got a little challenge for you um and i love springing these sorts of things on you because i know you don't know them don't know they're coming um how many of the players uh, that have missed penalties under guardiola can you name wow sterling jesus aguero de bruyne they're the obvious ones aren't they um, there have been seventeen missed Gundogan. penalties. What under Guardiola? Yeah. Oh yeah, but how many? How many scorers? How many misses? How many uh, missing the target? 
Well, how, how, I mean, how many didn't score the penalties? It can't be 17 different players. Surely. No, no, there are 17 penalties that have been missed. You've just named five of them and there's seven in total. Oh, oh okay. Um, no, do, 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 do. You might have to speed this bit up because I'm sure there'll be people listening who already know and they've got them <laughs> before me. I can't think of any of the defenders. I can't know. Fernandinho wouldn't have taken one. I said Jesus. I said Aguero. Oh, Mares. There we go. Yeah, Mares Anfield. The obvious one. Um, so one more. I don't think. I think I you may think I, I, th- I think you may have said Jesus while I was talking, so I so I didn't catch it. The, the, I did the, say Jesus. Yeah, that Atalanta one was terrible. Yeah, the seven are Aguero, Jesus, De Bruyne, Sterling, Gundogan, Mares. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you can name them all as it turns yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but I think I was probably at all of those games. So, oh, in fact, not the Mares one, but who could forget? Yeah, could I mean forget? exactly. Yeah, did you see the start of the of the weekend as well? The last yeah. time any Premier League player missed the target entirely, that's not even hitting the post, was Mares at Anfield. So, so it's kind of bookended by two City misses like that. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird start of that because it's one of those you just think, surely not. Like, and you just think, surely I've seen somebody do that. It's like that rule where you know if you take a penalty and you hit the post and you score the rebound, that doesn't count. And when you hear that, you think. I'm sure that must have happened. Like I'm sure I've actually seen that happen, but obviously it barely ever has. Well, one that of is the rule. Well, one of those the misses rule. as well is uh, Raheem Sterling at Wolves, who mm. uh, obviously had it saved by the keeper, but then popped the rebound in. So it's it's a penalty miss, but they've scored the goal from it. So yeah, but and that one he, he actually missed it before, but they had to retake it, and then yeah. he missed it again, <laughs> and then scored the rebound. Absolute shambles. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, uh, let's let's get into the actual proper nuts and bolts of the uh, Liverpool game because uh, yeah. the first thing I wanted to, to, to ask you is kind of what side of the fence do you fall on on this game? Because um, my Twitter site timeline seemed to be quite unhappy with with a, with a point from that game, yeah. uh, with things like Liverpool were there for the taking or you know City didn't really have a go. Um, I felt like the odd one out in this because I felt like it was a good performance overall in the end. Um, it was a good point in the end. Liverpool were all over City for 20 minutes or so, but they held out, you know, penalty aside. Mm-hmm. And then after that, City largely controlled the game and looked, I thought, the more likely to nick it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I couldn't really put my finger on who I thought was the more likely to nick it, especially at half time, because like you say, City recovered really well from going a goal down. And you think if you start chasing Liverpool and trying to force things, and you you know you misplace a pass and they pounce high up the pitch, you're in trouble. And, so some, and re- something you've just said there as well, you know, they uh, Liverpool were all over City and and City gained regained control. We've not seen that in a long time. No, exactly. So they did do really really well there, and obviously, yeah, should have been two one up with the penalty. Um, but all that said, I did feel that Liverpool, whenever they went forward, could have or should have scored like the just everything we know about this city team and we'll get to what i've written about the match soon but everything we know about this city team is if a team breaks through the middle they've got a really good chance of having a, a very good chance you know a high xg chance a big chance whatever you want to call it if they get through the middle and they leave the defense isolated or one of the defenders isolated they're going to have a very good chance. They kept breaking through the middle. So I think my instinctive kind of City watching brain felt City are in trouble if they keep letting this happen. But that's why I kind of wrote about the defence for the article because there was loads of different takeaways from that game and fortunately we'll cover them all in the podcast and I tried a bit in the article to touch on them as well. But as much as Liverpool kept breaking through, particularly in that first 45 minutes, and they were really, really good at it, it wasn't just winning the ball back, but you know, wriggling out of a tight space and all of a sudden 
they had the pitch to break into. And it just, it didn't really cause City any dramas. Whereas you think if this had been last season. Or, <laughs> it's 4-0 at half-time, isn't it? Yeah, or Leicester again, then they'd have been screwed. So they were just, they just defended really well. But it, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like the best defensive performance you've ever seen. It wasn't like all of the defenders were like notably excellent, excellent. It was just good, solid, dependable defending. And I think you kind of appreciate that a bit more because like I say, if City just haven't had that for about a year and f- for them to to see that many transitions and counterattacks coming at them and then them, City just go, no, nah, it's okay, we'll deal with that. I, th- I thought that was, that was really impressive. Um, so the first 45 minutes was great. Really open, really intense, really high energy. City, yeah, <laughs> controlling it in a way, looking the better side in a way, but sit, but Liverpool still looking dangerous. Well, at half time, it was a weird situation because City should have gone in 2-1 up. How they'd yeah. have got there, I don't really know because I thought like, like the first 20 minutes was all Liverpool, all kind of just, just dragging City all over the pitch. Liverpool have been disappointed to go in at 1-1. City, I think, a little bit relieved to go in at 1-1, but should have gone in ahead. It, like, it doesn't like it didn't add up at half-time. But by full-time, I could have made a case for City winning that game. Yeah, and I think that's why people, you know, you said your Twitter timeline was disappointed. I think well, mine was as well, and I think most, most City fans were because they saw a real opportunity. And I think that's absolutely fair because it wasn't just the two chances, obviously, the, the, the two chances I'm talking about being the De Bruyne the penalty and the Jesus header, it wasn't just those, but obviously you think, well, I'll score those and it's a different game. But there was almost, well, there was always that feeling last 10, 15 minutes that Liverpool in particular, their, certainly their threat on the counter-attack had subsided quite substantially compared to what it was in the first half. They, they, you've always got to be wary of Liverpool, obviously. And you, I think that's why Guardiola probably didn't make any extra subs at the end because he didn't want a slip up to let Liverpool in. But it looked like City had more chances to wrap it up. Um and, you know, people were saying they should have gone for it and they should have pushed for for more. Um obviously Foden was coming on and then he didn't. Um th- but I, th- I think for me the probably the, the bigger thing was the fact that I think both teams looked tired and both teams looked happy for what they had. But I thought I actually thought City had a bit more energy to them. I'm I'm not so sure if that's because they they had the ball, but there were so many opportunities. You know, when I was talking about Liverpool in the first half being good in midfield to wriggle out of a little space and they've just got the whole pitch to break into. There were so many times when City had a chance like that and it was it was Gundogan in his own half and, and sometimes De Bruyne just got those little passes wrong that would have set up a whole counter-attack or a transition. And there was, a, I remember there was a little flick by Sterling right towards the end up on the left. He tried to flick it around the corner for De Bruyne to run onto and he just didn't quite get enough on it and it was a bit weak. And and he just think those are the little things where it's like there is an opportunity here because Liverpool's threat has yeah, subsided, like I say. And there there was something there, but... They couldn't quite get it, and maybe that was because the player. I just, I just, I just think the city players were tired. Yeah. Um, but you but mentioned also there was no subs. So. I was, I was going to say you mentioned the subs. Uh, you asked Guardiola about the um, uh, about why he only made one sub at, at the end of the game. This is this is what he said. Because I am the manager, and decide how many times I want to do it. So the rule had to provide me as much as possible. In that case, five. If I use it or not, this rule is my problem. Just on a similar theme, you know, you, you called Phil Foden to get ready to come on and then in the end decided not to. Again, not a criticism, but just your thought. What changed in the game for you to think, 
I'm not going to make this substitution anymore. What, what was the, the, the logic of that decision? I changed yes, and after I changed no. So not really much of an answer there, Sam. <laughs> yeah, what's the point? What's the point, really? Um, I mean, he thinks I'm being negative with these questions. As you can, Obviously, you didn't put the first one in. It was probably a bit rambly, as you might expect. But that was because I was kind of going out of my way to be like, look, I'm not having a go at you here. I just want to know. I want to understand for my own understanding so I can write about City. And also, because I've got so many articles to write and so many Q&As to reply to, when people say, why doesn't he make a sub? I want to be able to say, yeah, pe- people, this is why, or this is what Guardiola said. Uh, and people keep people saying he wants five subs, but he's not using. He's only using one in a game. Yeah, and as much as anything, like I wasn't having a go, but that is entirely fair, isn't it? Like he, he was talking for about five minutes about how it's a disgrace and all this. He didn't say it's a disgrace, but he was obviously, he's very annoyed as he has been at many times this season about not having five subs but he doesn't make five subs like he didn't even make three he just made the one and it's and but like even my so my question was i was trying again i was just trying to like kind of say look i i'm i'm understanding here i'm not having a go i think i suggested my theory on it as part of the question which was you've got a game like that you want to protect your players obviously in terms of you don't want them to you don't want them to get injured. But was the game so tense and so tight, you know, you didn't feel like a sub would have... It could, it know, could have like, it, it was such, Yeah, exactly. It was such a tight game. Did you feel like a sub might have might have, might have been the, the last thing you needed or something? But he just wasn't getting into it at all. I I, I would imagine that was it. You know, we've, we've talked about Guardiola subs before, um, you know, why he does make them and why sometimes why he doesn't. And, and again, why that Fernandinho one against Leicester was just so out of character and it continues to be. Um, Again, my theory on it, because he didn't elaborate on it. And look, he doesn't have to elaborate on it because you don't expect managers um, to to give away all their all their secrets. But I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose this wasn't necessarily a tactical question. It wasn't obviously tactical. But you know, I was kind of thinking with the Foden one. Maybe he was thinking, oh, there was there was space behind Shakiri that Foden could have exploited. But by the time I wanted to bring him on, Klopp had sorted yeah. sort it out. Yeah, something like that. And you just think, well, I could do a whole story on that. You know that that's uh, that's not, that's like illuminating. You know that's something that the fans would go, "Oh yeah, okay, actually that makes sense." That's why I ask him these things. But yeah, he just thinks, I don't know. I think it's just one of those where not just me, but I, mean, I think particularly me sometimes. But I think with you know with gen- with journalists generally, you know if they've lost a game and he makes a substitution that doesn't work or something like that, and you ask him for his thoughts on it, he's thinking, "Well, they're criticizing me here." So yeah. that 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 was the issue with that. Um, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, like like we say, he talks about wanting to make five subs, but doesn't make three anyway. But that's fine. Like, if he said it's my decision, it's my problem. But it's like, but that's, but I, I know it's your problem. <laughs> I know it's your problem, Pep. I'm just asking what what, what was the, the line? Is, yeah, yeah. What was the balance? Yeah. Like, you've got you want to protect your players, obviously. But at the end of the day, he's not paid to to protect the players. He's paid to win games, isn't he? Or I think in this case, not lose them. Yeah. And I think both Klopp and because Klopp was exactly the same. Klopp was exactly the same, but he made two subs, obviously, and but one of those was injury enforced. So, it's, so he may well have just made the one sub anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think that's because both of them thought if I change too much here, and especially a game that intense, and the, you know what the, they you know, the thought, pair of them are make, like, yeah, if I make a slip up, well, they obviously they they really really respect the other team as well. So they're thinking if somebody gives the ball away, the other team's going to counter attack on me, and we've lost, and a loss is much more damaging than a win would be good. Yeah. 
and that's and that is ultimately why I came round to the the idea that, that that last night it was a good point. I was happy with the. I was happy to take the point. You know, finish finish the uh, the, the game the same distance you are behind Liverpool. They're now um, uh, they're in a position where win the game in hand. It's three points off. And it's two off, off the, three points off the top of the table. Sorry. Yeah, oh, okay. It, yeah, yeah, two two points off Liverpool. So it's like ultimately, I keep coming back round to I can't I can't be unhappy with that point. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's dig into into the actual defending side of the game because uh, I, I find this this bit the most fascinating from uh, from Sunday's game. Um, first of all, can I say thank you for not jinxing Ruben Diaz's performance yesterday <laughs> when you put his name in that emoji envelope and then uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah, I can confirm Sam did DM it to me to to, to say that he was thinking about Ruben Diaz before the uh, b- before uh, anything possibly went wrong. So thank you for not jinxing it. Uh, no, it's fine. But also, I don't think it needed the corroboration in the end because everybody it was well, a lot of people replying saying it's got to be Cancelo. I was like, well, it's not the one I was thinking of, but Cancelo has been good. But yeah, it's just you know when I think this happens with a lot of a lot of people are watching on TV or in the stadium. There's like a collective realization. There's all, there's always a moment where whether it's 20 minutes in or 60 minutes in or 80 minutes in, somebody will have been good and you'll have noticed they've been good and then they do something a bit better than good you know some, they do something really good and it just clicks you go this guy's having a great game so I suppose there's a lot of people in the stadium where one person sat around them and go oh he's playing well today and then, then everyone goes oh yeah 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 no you're right on that yeah and you see it on Twitter as well like a lot of people will tweet at the same time so and so's having a great game today um, but the thing with Diaz whenever when I thought that it wasn't again it wasn't anything eye catching you know that Cancelo slide at the end to stop Salah that was like well, you know, this guy, that is, you know, the icing on top of a good performance from Cancelo, especially defensively. Because Guardiola said he was exceptional, but he was like, look, sometimes he needs to concentrate or be a bit more consistent defensively. But when he is and he's focused, you know, he's very good. And that slide tackle on Salah, which again goes to show that the threat was always, you know, it's always kind of there because it's Liverpool, but it wasn't, you know, 100% pure Liverpool by the end because they were knackered. Um, but Diaz, I think he was just down in the in the opposite right corner, kind of, and whoever the Liverpool player was, forgive me, I don't remember, was kind of backing into him a bit. And I think, again, with my kind of City-watching brain, I was thinking somebody might just kick him and give away a penalty here. But Diaz just kind of stood up and wrapped his foot round and, and you know, won the ball back for City and there was an opportunity for a break, which probably, you know, didn't go well, didn't go anywhere because obviously they didn't score. But I just thought, Diaz is just, he just does what he has to do. And the, the thing for me is, you know, the, the Marseille game and the Sheffield United game, obviously Olympiacos, but it wasn't Diaz and Laporte. Everyone was like, oh yeah, they look much more solid. I was like, they do. They do look more solid. But Marseille didn't do anything. And Sheffield United did barely more than Marseille. So I was thinking, I wouldn't be hugely surprised if Liverpool score four. And the, we're talking about the defence going, well, they didn't actually have much to do in those games. And they have had something to do here. And they've struggled. But that's kind of why I did the article because yeah. I'm thinking, got to be fair. Like, even though nobody ever, I never actually said on any of the Q and A's, it might be four nil. But I was just thinking, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool did, you know, highlight a few difficulties that the other teams didn't do. 
but no, they didn't. Um, well, they tried. That, that was the thing. The first 20 exactly, minutes, yeah, they yeah. tried. Um, and like, I'll, in my article, I did a little table of like the defensive numbers. And it was quite basic, you know, blocks and tackles and uh, clearances and you know, headers won and that kind of thing. And, you know, the City defenders, like, not so much Walker. Walker um, didn't have a, a great game yesterday, um, but he's been City's most consistent player this season. I'll still stand by that. So it's like, it's okay. And And when the other three... You know, it's nice actually for a change for Walker to have less of a good game and the other three be really good, whereas the other three are normally quite bad. And, and Walker's, <laughs> Walker's done all right, yeah. Yeah, which not, just often isn't just just isn't enough. Um, so Walker's numbers weren't quite there. But like Liverpool's defenders, and not because they didn't have a good game, but Liverpool's defenders, there was no, no, there, there was no tackles, there was no interceptions or whatever. And that's not because yeah, they didn't play well. I think it just goes to show that I think Liverpool... Well, between Liverpool's midfield being better at stopping City getting through, and and on the other hand, City's midfielders giving away passes or you know doing, making the wrong decision or poor execution, Liverpool's defenders didn't have to do that side of the game too much, but City's did, and that goes back to what I was saying about the fact that Liverpool still did break through the middle like teams normally do against City, but the difference was. This time the defense went. Oh, I know what to do with that. Well, and they, I was were, and they say, actually stood up to it. Whereas last season, it might we might have been talking about an error leading to a goal, and the stats we might have been looking at was so and so committed two errors leading to shots, or you know so and so was at fault for this. But this was just there are plenty of defending to do, which they hadn't had against Sheffield United and Marseille, and they actually did it. And it's like credit where it's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in that because how how much of it was. The team shape and the setup being much more solid, or, and how much of it was an improvement in the one v one defending sort of thing? Yeah, no, I think in this case it was an improvement in the one v one defending because I did a Q and A on Thursday before the game, and then the Q and A was live before kickoff on Sunday. Um, and it was, you know, there was a few questions about, you know, is it just a, do you think it's just the centre backs or has something else changed? And, you know, people were replying and going, oh, you know, I think there's better pressing from the front and better intensity. And I think that's been the case in some games. Like I say, that Marseille game, as much as Marseille, no, in fact, Marseille were just crap. A live, a City were good, but Marseille were crap. But they did, they did at least, you know, press them very well from the back. And that's how City got the goal in the first half. And that was improved. And it's easy to say, well, you know, the teams aren't counter-attacking through the middle as much. So that's going to help the defence, and that's maybe why they didn't have much to do. But no, on Sunday, they did have... They, they were put under scrutiny. If it's, it's that kind of scrutiny I've written about, like, as a general theme of City's last season. You know, people would get past Rodri or they get past Gundogan, and then, you know, Stones or Otamendi or Fernandinho or whatever would be caught out for pace or make a mistake or whatever. And, you know, City would concede a goal. So all those issues with kind of the pressing and the not making tackles or fouls in midfield was still actually there for City, but the defence was just actually capable of of dealing with it. And, you know, that's going to make a difference. And if City can, I don't know, up the creative output or, you know, Jesus helps when he's back and Aguero, you know, he should be back after the international break, but they should probably ease him back in. So if you're talking about Christmas time, um, if you can get to a time where City are creating better chances and they've got the two number nines back, then... If the defence carries on as it is, then it does it does bode quite well because it is going to be a strange season. And I suppose as much as it's a, a little bit alarming that City aren't creating the amount of chances that they normally do, um, to have a solid defence 
it's not look. It's not a very Guardiola way of winning the title, but this year it, it might be what they need. Yeah, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna score many goals, then you can't let many in, and that's I, I guess that's where City are at the, are, are at, at the moment. And well, it's, I mean, it's, look, it's, Liverpool already lost seven two. Yeah, these, these results are going to happen. Obviously, City already lost five two. These results are going to happen, but it's just with City, it's like okay, well, Diaz has come in now. Laporte's coming back. Um, I mean, Cancelo may well be a. I'm not falling into the trap that a lot of people <laughs> did with Mendy last season and going, okay, well, if Cancelo plays like this, I'm still conscious of the fact that he may well not play like that in a lot of games. But it was it was promising, I will say that. And if Walker goes back to his usual level, um, and Edison, in fact, um, when Edison had to run off his line twice in the first nine minutes, I was thinking, he's getting sent off today. <laughs> But um, that was, you know, that was that was in behind Cancelo as well. But he kind of sorted that out as the game went on. Um, And, you know, Edison did very well um, overall, actually. So that's, you know, that's part of it with City. There was there was always two elements to a City defeat last season, wasn't there? And it was the, the, the forwards missing big chances or penalties or whatever. And then the defense making a mistake. If they've sorted the defence out, then that's fifty percent towards sorting out their issues. And yeah. you would always imagine that with the quality of players City have got, they'll surely get there. Yeah, just a just a little bit before we move on to Cancelo in in a, a bit more detail. Just a little uh, question about uh, the the left back position. Um, yeah. Are you are you a bit surprised that he's not tried Ake there? Uh, well, he did he did against Arsenal, but that was obviously in a very kind of specific ninety minutes worth of tactical demands um in a, in a certain type of game you know it's like he used Laporte against Liverpool um in the Champions League game didn't he at Anfield and he also used him there in fact at the 2-1 in the Bernardo Silva game in January 2019 he used Laporte at left back there so it's like in certain games where everything's a bit tighter I think always looking for things to be a bit tighter um Ake can do the job there but um I think that also depends on you know, you need somebody then to provide the width on the left. And, you know, I'm not sure if this is what he'd think, but to me it makes sense to play Foden on the left and stay wide and have Ake at left back. Um, tucking in. Yeah, just tucking in and making the midfield a bit more steady. And then he could got, you'd, you'd have Gundogan making an inside run, you know, up, up through the inside channel created by Foden's width and that kind of stuff. Um, th- that would make sense. Um, but, you know, I think Ake is kind of... Uh, a man for special occasions, really. And I think to, I, I wrote in an article before the West Ham game about City's left side. I was like, look, it's not an ideal situation by any means. But the fact that they've got four four men who can play left back, not including Laporte, because you just need him a centre back now. Um, it's not great, but it does give you options game to game. And given how Guardiola works and, you know, the tactics are specific for, for different opponents, it does help to be able to have, well, I've got Sinchenko or Ake who can stay back and, you know, tuck into the midfield. Or I've got Mendy or Cancelo who can provide an attacking threat. And maybe I need Cancelo today because, I don't know, he, there's there's more opportunity to cut inside onto his right foot. Or maybe I need Mendy today because I need somebody to provide the width. Like, it's not ideal. Um, City would, in my opinion, be much better off with just one good left back yeah. who, who can get forward and do everything, which is basically what Mendy was. Um, but, yeah, with those four, there's there's enough options there. And the other thing about Ake is... At the end of the day, look, they need they need him fit to be centre back, and not just as cover, um, 
but just you know to play in the other games like we saw against Olympiacos he needed to play centre back because you need to rest Laporte and Diaz who are clearly the first choice at the moment so you don't want to be playing Ake too much at left back I think because he's going to have plenty of games where he's actually needed at centre back and City aren't still aren't blessed beyond the first two with reliable options because say if you've got an injury and you play Ake in like the big the big Premier League games and then in midweek you've got Garcia on poor form or Stones on poor form or or Fernandinho, you know, it, it's suddenly if the team are getting exposed like they did against Liverpool, you haven't got the people to actually deal with it. So I think there's yeah. an element of keep keep Ake for centre back. It's not about managing game by game, is it? It's about managing the big picture in that sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. Um and like Ake and Stones looked all right against Olympiacos, and it would be good to see a bit more of that. Um but like yeah, if you if you start having to take one of those out of that equation, and then it's Stones and Fernandinho or Stones and Garcia. You start. Um, it it looks a lot less solid than it did on Sunday. Let's say. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free. Direct TV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's dig into Cancelo because uh, Guardiola was asked after the game uh, about his performance and uh, this is what he said. He played exceptional. With the ball, without the ball, with his quality. Up front is a, is a special a special talent player. Defensively, sometimes needs to be consistent, but when he's consistent, his focus is a, a fantastic, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic uh, uh, guy, a football player, guy as well. So, Sam, are we starting to see the best of him now? Starting to, yeah. Um, and it's interesting that Guardiola says he's a fantastic guy because he wasn't really saying that at the end of the last season, was he? He was saying, I can't remember exactly what he was saying, but it was something about the attitude and you know sometimes he's not always switched on whatever it was it was yeah I don't think it was always switched on I think well that certainly defensively but that's just part of his game but I think it was kind of that no bad faces vibe that he talks about oh yeah it was that kind of thing you know when it was when he played left back against Watford and the Real Madrid game was coming up and he did all right against Watford and he was asked about it then in fact I asked him about it then and he was saying yeah it was that the vibe I got then was uh, 
and in fact from you know from asking around it was just he he wasn't always happy with not playing and he wasn't I wouldn't say unprofessional but probably not as professional as the others you know we're in in a dressing room full of guys who just maybe don't always understand what Guardiola's asking of them but just get on with it like it's a bit like Mares in the first season when he missed out that Huddersfield game um, because he didn't like not playing but since then you know he's always been in the match day squad and usually played apart from yesterday apart from which, yesterday yeah um which to go on a bit of a tangent i, c- I can believe that that's rest yeah i mean I, this is the thing is that I, I, one thing i was going to raise uh about it but it, it just I, I never really found the right time in in terms of of fatigue and an actual uh a tiredness even being on the bench and not being involved you are still involved with the game so yeah, you still I, switched on yeah so i, I get the rest element yeah yeah, I mean, it's a little odd because, I mean, look, if if we're saying he, he needed a rest, then he must be knackered. It must be the stage where De Bruyne was at, where he missed those three games, where as far as I know, he wasn't actually injured, but they're arresting him because if he'd have played, he would have been injured. It must be that. And I'm, I'd be interested to see if, if Mahrez goes and plays with Algeria. And maybe there was a bit of it in mind where he was thinking, well, he's tired and I'll, I bet Algeria playing for 180 minutes anyway. So I'm going to rest him. But I mean, it was a little odd that there was three centre-backs on the bench and like nothing else. And with 15 minutes to go, maybe it would be worth throwing Mahrez on. But again, Guardiola doesn't make many subs anyway. Maybe you thought, well, chances are I'm not going to make subs anyway. So yeah, give him the day off. But to go back to Cancelo and the whole no bad faces thing. Yeah, it's interesting that he was saying about how he's a great person because that wasn't the vibe last season. But yeah, I mean, if his attitude is... It's better, and he's obviously listening to the tactical instructions a lot, and you know, just switching on defensively, as, as Guardiola mentioned. Then, yeah, your question was, are we starting to see the best of him? Um, it's certainly plausible. It's certainly plausible. I still don't like the fact that he he has to cut inside on his on his right foot just because City don't have that width. You know, if they had Sane on the left, sorry to bring him up, but if they had Foden on the left. And they had Cancelo run, running forward and cutting inside. That would be all right. But having him and Sterling doesn't feel right to me. So that's that's a bit of a weird one. Um, but yeah, he was. He obviously created that chance for Jesus as well with that good little ball over the top or into the middle, whichever angle it came from. Um, and yeah, like I said, he made four tackles. And again, you don't normally go on about tackles with a Guardiola team. But that Salah one was. I mean. Like honestly, I was thinking this is it. That's the moment where where Liverpool win the game. And yeah. not only did he like he went down in the challenge and somehow kept the ball, stood up with it, and ran away with it. And I, I was yeah, just I really impressed with that. It was a full three sixty degree slide tackle, wasn't it? And for every single one of those degrees, I was thinking he's going to mess this up <laughs> and, until he got up with it and, and came away with the ball. It, yeah, it's just it's just one of those really satisfying slide tackles where yeah, you hook your foot around and you spin around and get up and, and go again. It was just inch perfect and and yeah, like I say, you don't like I, I can't remember ever really paying any attention to tackle stats or anything when I'm watching City because it's just not that important but I actually I did think it was yesterday because like I say the other you know the the pressing and the intensity wasn't quite there and Liverpool did keep getting through and, and they did make the City defenders actually defend and look everybody knows that most City defenders under Guardiola would rather well they're much more comfortable with the ball than without it so it was actually good to see Diaz which we who who we know is more more comfortable without the ball than with it slightly. His balance is slightly more defender rather than passer. Laporte is probably about 50% of each, which is perfect. Um, 
And Cancelo, who isn't a comfortable defender, even on his right side, that was, you know, very, very encouraging. And, and yeah, f- a fair play to him. Um, yeah. And also, it, it's one of those, I'll put it in the article, but it's like, if City have obviously claimed that they're going to be fine this season, they don't need a left back, which obviously I've disputed. But I mean, if he does, if, if, if he does keep playing like this for the rest of the season, then I'll be like, well, Fair enough. Fair play. You, yeah. you were right on that. I mean, they, they, could, a, they could do they, the left back, but uh, yeah. This play. is the thing, though. We, we've been talking about him only being... Like, he's only really able to get into the team at left back at the moment because of, of how Walker's been playing on the right-hand side. Um, but also, there's there's that... Uh, the other issue is that if, if Cancelo is getting in on the on, on the right-hand side and Walker's rested, then who plays on the left? That's the, that, that, that's that, that's another kind of balancing out for Guardiola. Um, yeah. uh, how, I mean... Uh, uh, how is the balance in this defense at the moment? Do you think? Uh, in what sense? Just like like, like you talk about there about uh, Laporte being you know fifty fifty with his passing and defending. Obviously, yeah. Cancelo better on the ball than uh, than than the defending side of things. Diaz has has come in and settled down really quickly. I think um, it, it it feels like although it looks a little bit unbalanced, actually it's quite stable. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, and like like I say, that's that's the feeling I got for the you know the Marseille and the Sheffield United games, and even you know, well the Olympiacos game was a bit weird, but never mind. Um, yeah, the the feeling I get is that it is it is stable back there, and that's 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 just what that's just what they need. They they need people who are comfortable doing that defending. And and I suppose another good thing to to point out was obviously like for for about twenty minutes, or certainly up until Liverpool's penalty. City could very rarely get through in terms of playing out from the back. So whenever Edison had it or the centre-backs had it, you could just see Liverpool. They were kind of just shuffling City from side to side to the pitch. They weren't letting City play passes into the midfield. And like if City had have played them, and they could have played them because they were there, but that's the trap. Liverpool are waiting for them to do that, and then they, they pounce. And obviously, if they win the ball there, they get the defence. And as we say, normally you'd expect um, them to really hurt teams. And City included, um, and obviously Diaz has been—he was caught out with that pass against uh, Porto, and like I, ma- I made the point at the time, I-, I had looked at his passing to see how good it had been because he did well in the build-up to the one-nil goal against Arsenal, um, but he'd given a few away actually. He'd given away more than I thought, um, and I think it would have been easy for him to fall into that trap against Liverpool. If it had misplaced one pass into midfield yesterday, that could have, you know, that could have been two one for Liverpool or, or two nil if they'd have got it after the penalty. Um so they just they just made the right decisions on the well, ball. Uh, like they didn't make of... any mistake playing out from the back and they were under so much pressure. You know, Liverpool were just like ultimately a lot a lot of times in the first twenty minutes it just ended up with City going back or kicking it away. And you'd just see Klopp on the sideline kind of doing a milli celebration that they'd stop City from playing out. Their best chances were normally when Edison would bang the ball right up to Jesus and they'd go from there. But other than that, they couldn't do it. And you, I just think that goes to show how important it was that, that they, they weren't rushed into making the passes. And I think it would have been really obvious on Sunday if City had have made a, a bad pass out of the defence. I think it would have been really noted. And obviously, look, they might have... They might well have recovered really well and stood up to it and made one of those tackles or interceptions I've talked about. But it would have been obvious, you know, that, that they would have made a mistake because that they were giving the ball waiting for that yeah. for the whole game. Was it a case, do you think, of, of of spotting the traps and not falling into them, or was it a case of, of just being a bit more conservative? No, I think 
I think they they know enough about Liverpool by now. Um, yeah, it's 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 knowing what they're going to do, how they're going to press. I mean, look the the curveball there really would have been. Yeah, I suppose maybe there was an element of being conservative or or, or sensible, perhaps because playing you know Jota and Firmino. Um, I'm sure Guardiola didn't expect that, and and maybe couldn't have had examples of his on his video analysis of, of that happening. Spe- specifically how that would look. They would know that you know how how Liverpool generally approach it, but not the exact specifics of what to do. And I think City did struggle with Firmino actually talking about talking about those counter attacks. He sprung a lot of them by dropping very deep and and getting them started. Um, so yeah, it would maybe maybe a bit of um, conservative conservativeness came into it because that would have been that would have been something for live for city to react to when they saw that team they would have thought okay we don't have the exact answers for what they're going to do here but i think broadly speaking you know that if they're funneling you to play that particular pass that henderson's going to be charging down the back of the guy to receive it and yeah i think i think city did very well between you know the preparation for that and also just dealing with it on the day and all the little changes well, here's here's a question to finish on then, Sam, because uh, we're talking about how uh, how settled the defence looks and how they've uh, how they've been stable in the last few weeks. Is it possible for Guardiola to rotate certain elements of it and keep that same stability? Is it is he able to rest players in and out of it and not lose the the stability that we that we I guess in has come from the fact that they've got you know Diaz and Laporte there and and Cancelo playing well. Can can Cancelo play well next to Ake and Stones, for instance? Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't. I just don't think we know. Um, like, like I said, the Olympiacos game was just strange, just a strange game. But um, as much, but like I was saying about the Liverpool game, like the counter pressing and you know the there wasn't many tackles or tactical fouls even in midfield to stop Liverpool getting forward, and the defense just dealt with it. But it's almost like if they do press better and they do stop teams breaking through the middle then you, it's easier to play Ake and Stones because there will be less scrutiny on the defence anyway. So it's almost like it, it depends on what's going on ahead of them. Um, but yeah, obviously, there was a clean sheet and Olympiacos didn't have too many chances and City were quite poor in the second half in terms of killing the game off for, for long stretches. Um, but they still kept that clean sheet. So, I mean, it is, um, it is, it is possible, but I just think... I don't really have an answer. And like, if something were to happen to one of the two main centre-backs now, you might be like, okay, that could be an issue because it does look like Diaz brings that calm and influence. And they do just look like a really good partnership. Yeah, um, I mean, there is a difference though, isn't there, between losing Diaz or Laporte for two or three games and losing them for half a season. That That's, yeah, that, you know, you, you losing for half a season, then it's 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 a case of, of patching it up until, you know, he's back. But, it, you know, a couple of games and it's it's just, it's like rotation. It's nothing nothing big. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, I don't, I don't really have an answer. I'm not entirely sure because it doesn't just depend on the defenders themselves. Um, Ake is a good, dependable option. I'm just not sure he's already at the kind of height that Diaz has shown so far. Not because he's been particularly poor, but I just think because Diaz has been particularly good. Um, so we'd have, we'd have to see. But like I say, it depends on what's going on in the midfield and and up front as well. Because I think he's a bit less, a bit less comfortable with you know, standing up to scrutiny than, than Diaz and, and Laporte are. So, yeah, and obviously with Stones, um, you never quite know where you, you stand with Stones, but it'll be good for him to get another performance soon because, um, you know, he, he looked fine against Olympiacos. He looked pretty confident. Um, 
and what he needs is a, is a run of games, really. So obviously with the international break coming up, hopefully he plays a bit for England and can't see him. Well, he's not going to play against Spurs, but... And then it's Olympiakos again, isn't and then, it? I think? But then it's Olympiakos yeah. again. So it's like maybe maybe they maybe they do it then. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I I don't really have an answer. I'm not really sure. There's there's too many variables. But um, I suppose it I, I suppose it's it's boding well at the moment. Yeah. Second international break of the season uh, coming up. Where's your where, what's your reading of City for this season so far? They're obviously they're, they're I, I think they've slipped out of the top half again. But a, a lot of it is is you know hidden by the fact that they have that that game in hand. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's November, so it's we're paying more attention to the table. But if the season had started normally, it'd be like seven games in. Like, it doesn't it doesn't really make a difference? Like, I don't think people would be looking at, or they, you know, when they're showing the table on match today, it would still be like, oh, this is the table for what it's worth, kind of thing. But it just yeah. feels like because of the time of year, we need to pay a bit more attention to it. So, like, City's position doesn't bother me. It's more about how many points they're behind Liverpool, even though Liverpool aren't top. That's the benchmark because it feels like if if City don't win the league, then Liverpool will. It still feels like that to me. Um, but yeah, it's a strange season. I've still not fully, I've still not fully worked out where City are. They're obviously not the team they were, but that might. On the like, one thing is that might be understandable because of the fatigue or whatever, and maybe that's still going to click into gear. And but the other thing is, I'm not sure it's going to be a normal season anyway. And like I said earlier, if they can stay defensively stable, um, it's it, it's it's something that could really help them over the course of this this mad season. And yeah, it's going to be up and down. We've seen loads of different teams top of the table already. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced it's the best city, but it, it might still be enough. And this yeah, is kind it might, of a journey it might, of discovery, basically. It might not need to be, mightn't it? That's the thing. I'd say it's, yeah. I, I certainly think that the one thing I'll say for this season is I think City and Liverpool, for that matter, are, are probably the two teams best cope, best placed to uh, to cope with, with the second half of this season when the games are thick and fast as well. Yeah, and just yeah, just in terms of the, the squad and the quality, but also just the know-how. They've already done it. Um. And obviously, like teams like Leicester, they they kept going and they they got over the line. And you know, teams like Liverpool actually hadn't won it for 30, for thirty years, but they they got over the line. And well, that was more to do with how they started, really, wasn't it, rather than how they finished. But in terms of a a run down the finish line, you you that experience would surely count for something. Whereas if you've got a if it's Tottenham or Leicester or God, Southampton or whoever happens to be top of the table, <laughs> Aston Villa, yeah, exactly. Then you then you would be thinking, well, it's going to be very difficult for them. And yeah, like you say, between the the squad depth and the quality and the know how, I, I still can't see beyond those two for the yeah. title. But it just yeah, it just depends on what on which city we get. You know, I'm more confident of Liverpool. You know, find finding their groove than I am in City at the moment. But um, the defense, the defense is is looking better than I expected. And like like I said earlier on, with the quality in the attack, you would you would imagine you would imagine that City will will regain something at some point. Yeah. Well, uh, let's wait and see. Um, that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. And to me, David Mooney. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now for just one pound per week by using the code Man City Pod. Mm-hmm.